Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, in 2021, the Edelman's Trust Barometer revealed that people around the world were losing faith in democratic governments and in democracies. Uh, But this year, in a few strategic areas, the trust in democracies is rising, particularly in the U.S., the U.K., and Germany. Uh, We wanted to look at what has changed and why, what work is left to be done, how has Ukraine uh, and the battle there with Russia influenced all of that, and why is trust so essential for democracy to survive and thrive? Uh, And so really pleased to have joining us back on the program today, Laura Thornton, uh, Director, Senior Fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy at the German Marshall Fund. And uh, Laura, great to have you with us today. I know you're uh, running and gunning today, but uh, we appreciate you taking some time to talk to us about trust in democracy. Uh, what are we learning from this particular uh, uh, case from uh, from Edelman's? Well, first of all, it's great to be back. Yes, I, I was really inspired by these numbers, as I'm sure you were, because it's in our, my field, democracy, it's usually doom and gloom. So it was good to see that we've gone up um, in terms of trusting government to 56 percent, which is up three points. It's still a little bit depressing, but, you know, it's better than it had been. And I think it's it's interesting that in so many ways, uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky had it right. You know, he really is fighting for democracy, not just in Ukraine, but all over the world and fighting for the values of Europe and the world, which is what he said to our Congress. And I think that's that's so true. I think he's in a lot of ways. This is inspired um, hope on uh, sort of the geopolitical adventure into democracy. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I thought it was interesting today in his uh, address uh, to the economic forum gathered, of course, in Davos, Switzerland, uh, that w- while the economics are are uh, are good and those are important conversations, uh, in the absence of freedom and democracies, uh, it's all just kind of of window dressing. Uh, and as you said, the, some of the numbers you can look at and say, yeah, "Well, that's a little discouraging or a little depressing." Um, as you look at the numbers, first, let's talk about kind of that decline in trust in democracies and kind of what led us there. And then let's talk about the upswing of how do we change that. Yes, I mean, I think this has happened, it's sort of crum- been crumbling over time. Um, a lot of people point to the fact that, you know, democracy hasn't exactly delivered for people, uh, so they've become cynical. What I find is interesting is the combination of cynicism but also gullibility. Mm. So I, I feel like people 
are cynical and sort of nihilistic about not trusting political leaders, but at the same time have become increasingly gullible to the siren calls of authoritarians and disinformation. So it's like, you know, two sides of a terrible sword, (laughs) you know, on one end, you know, government isn't delivering the way it should. Economic inequality is growing in most places. Uh, People don't feel like they're represented. Uh, Money and politics is corrupting our system. And then on the other side, we have, you know, very effective disinformation campaigns that are actually not even about policy, but um, selling us on an idea of the past and of the glory days or a fantasy. I mean, Bong Bong Marcos won the elections in the Philippines on a campaign that was pure myth, mythology mm. about his father's rule. And they went and interviewed these Marcos supporters, and I was just listening to these interviews with them, and, and they were presented with his mendacity, and, he, and they were like, yeah, we know he lies, but, you know, we love him. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think that sort of combination has been slip, sl- slowly chipping away at our, our trust in democratic institutions and processes. Yeah, uh, that combination you laid out there, uh, that cynicism and that gullibility, uh, again, a lot of that through social media is, is such a fascinating thing to me. And I, I've been dying to ask you this question uh, just because of the way you you think and, and approach this topic. Uh, I've always said that we're, we're probably not as divided as we think we are. Uh, and and people from both parties and, and dictators and thugs and bad guys have used division uh, as a way to have that populist message for centuries. Because if you're too divided to deal with health care or race or immigration, uh, then, of course, what you need is a populist strongman to, to take charge uh, and, and solve all of those problems. Is that what we're continuing to see? How, how do you view that in terms of, one, how divided are we really? Because that undermines mm. trust. Uh, and is it just that our leaders are leveraging that for their own benefit? I think that's a great framing. I do think that we probably aren't as divided, but where we have little splinters of division, um, malign actors take advantage and wedge them open. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see, you know, I, I used to live in the country, Georgia, not the state. <laughs> and it was fascinating to me where there was a pre-existing um intolerance towards the LGBTQ community. It it existed, but no one was really talking about it. And no one was talking about banning or or no one was talking about same-sex marriage, nothing like this. It just wasn't even in the dialogue. But Russia, a malign actor, so effectively put the, you know, put the match on that fire. Mm. And then before in after a year of disinformation campaigns about the LGBTQ community, it motivated the country to actually change the Constitution to prohibit gay marriage and acts. You know, so the, the issue was there. Yeah. It, but it wasn't even in the discourse. But a little bit of prodding. And that's all it takes is a little bit. And it's pretty low cost you can make it explosive. And of course, autocrats love division and pecking orders because it's so much easier to rule divided people, right? So it it is something that, you know, is exploited. And I think that we need to figure out methods to, you know, tap back into sort of de-escalation and how can we build more societal trust, which is something that I know that I've talked to you about before (laughs) and don't have magical answers to. But I agree, we need to sort of get around the noise that leaders are putting in our heads and do more of that person-to-person communication to find out that we're really not all that apart. You know, we all want our children to be safe, you know, 
But our leaders, some leaders, political leaders are dividing us about our children's education. We all want, you know, mothers to have the best situation for them and their families. You know, I think we do have common ground, um, but we get manipulated easily. Yeah. And it's so easy. It's so easy to incite, (laughs) incite the anger, fear and frustration. It's very hard work and heavy lifting to get to the insight uh, and and that discernment that we actually have to get to so we can have those individual conversations uh, and actually solve solve the problem. Uh, As as you've studied this, as you continue to look at this and again with your international experience as well, when uh, I've been saying a lot lately that we've we've stress tested uh, our form of government uh, in a lot of situations, in, a, in civil war, in economic crisis, pandemics, uh, all the things. But we've never really stress tested our democracy in the absence of trust. How do you see that? Mm-hmm. Is there how do we rebuild that faith, that trust? Because that's that's my biggest worry is uh, we're at this incredible trust deficit right now. Uh, and will the institutions hold up uh, in the absence of trust? I don't think that they can. Um, And obviously, I mean, I don't think they can hold up in the absence of trust. It doesn't mean that I don't believe we can't rebuild it. But I think that without trust in democratic processes, I don't see its sustainability. For example, the fact that our elections, um, which is the sort of the, the baseline for democracy, is participation in and acceptance of results of elections. That's it. That's a baseline of democracy yeah. everywhere. And unfortunately, we're, we're struggling with that. So everything that flows from that is, 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 very, is very difficult. I think, you know, one area, it's got to happen, I think, on both the demand and supply side. So on the supply side, I mean, our government really does need to do a better job delivering for people. And I think in the Edelman barometer from 2022, you can see that we're not alone. A lot of people just don't feel... The government listens to them or represents their interests. I think part of that has to do with corruption and political finance. I do believe mm. we don't have necessarily a hugely corrupt government, but we do have a system where money plays an oversized role. And therefore, my representation is not equal to, you know, the Koch brothers representation right. <laughs> or other wealthy donors. So that erodes trust. And so there's things I think that we have to do on that supply side. And I talked to you before also about things I think we can do with our election system, but also political finance reform and other things to build uh, citizen trust. But on the demand side, I do think, you know, it's that hard work of community resilience. And that might require some more creative thinking, you know, whether it's civic education expansion or media literacy, which is already being done to some degree, or real experiments in civil service. And, you know, we've seen this in in conflict, conflict environments before. In Israel, for example, they have, you know, camps, you know, uh, sleepaway camps for Palestine. We talked about this for Palestinian and Israeli children. Or, um, you know, know, there's been some studies on the, the, the Korean War and the integration. It was the first time African-American and white Americans were integrated in, the, in, in, in units in the Korean War and the difference that made in tracking those soldiers throughout their lives from the ones that weren't integrated. So opportunities to bring people together around a common good, people from different economic classes, from different uh, racial and religious groups, from uh, different parts of the country, 
any way we can like bring folks together to do something of common good on a common mission, I think we can start to you know build those trusts. Because like, as you said, I don't think we're as divided as we we have to be <laughs> if we can sort of reconnect with those bonds that once sort of held us together. Yeah, fantastic. Laura Thornton is the director and a senior fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy at the German Marshall Fund. And uh, Laura, always appreciate your perspective and thinking. Uh, love the way you're going about this because I think this is the crucial conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.